Film and literature are rarely, if ever, neutral. They're saturated with ideas of their creators, and they invite the viewer or reader to think with them. What's great about that interaction is that it's not bound by time. Stories that are decades removed from their original authors can be read by modern audiences and have a meaningful impact on their world. The author of The Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien, had some strong thoughts about the modernizing world, and they can be seen in his books. From his opinions about the disappearing countryside to his opposition to the mechanization of society, he was a bridge between an old world and an ever-increasing modern society. Modernization hasn't stopped since The Fellowship of the Ring was first published in 1954, and we're still reading Tolkien's books today. In this episode, we ask, how is The Lord of the Rings a commentary on our modern age? How does narrative act as both a mirror and a lens? All that and more on this edition of the podcast. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. Episode 13. Here we are. Still talking about old Lord of the Rings. How are you, Riker? <laughs> doing doing well. You know, it's cooling off here in, in Texas. Mm. So it's not yeah. as... Is we're temp- below 100 consistently now. <laughs> so that's nice. So cold. <laughs> freezing. <laughs> Don't know how you function. I think the high is in like the 80s, mid to upper 80s. Today. Nice. So that's, yeah. yeah, that's livable. Yeah. So is it usually it's like in the hundreds usually? I mean, the summer. During the summer, like, yeah. When yeah, we yeah. first moved here at the end of May, beginning of June, it was, by like 10 a.m., it was nearly unbearable to be outside. That's horrifying. Yeah. It really creeps up on you. It's like, oh, it's nice and comfortable yeah. one minute, and then at like 10 o'clock Burning hits, hot. and it's just like, I'm, why am I sweating? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, got to make sure you park your car underneath the, some shade or else yeah. you'll burn yourself on your steering wheel. I literally, I leaned, it was in the middle of the afternoon this week, and I leaned up against my front door, and because the sun was, you know, facing the door at that point of the day, it, like, slightly burned my, my, uh, my arm, because it was so hot. (laughs) It's like I touched, uh, like a hot pot. (laughs) That's crazy. Wild. All right. Well, good. Let's just uh, let's jump in. I can't believe we're already th- this new format is still a little jarring to me because we're like 13 mm. episodes in. That's a great. That I is like, crazy. Like yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fun. It's a good yeah. conversations, I'd say. Yeah. We've yeah. been talking, I guess, just about Lord of the Rings uh, mm-hmm. specifically, but more generally narrative and, you know, why Christians are so pumped about it, um, how to deal with you know, outdated views sometimes of the author. 
So yeah, it's been, I don't know, it's right. been a good time. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to continue that conversation today. So let's jump into the first question. A question from the pew. All right, first question. How is The Lord of the Rings a commentary on our modern age? Mm. That's I feel like that's the reaction to every question that we follow up. <laughs> mm. Mm, yeah. And we came up with the question, so it's a little bit like <laughs> self self grandizing These guys are really asking the right questions. <laughs> right, yeah. Wow. Whoever's coming up with these questions. <laughs> Give them a raise. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean I mean there's a lot going on here. I can kind of start, but I mean, I guess he was obviously raised and lived in, if we're going to say like modern, in the sense of postmodern versus modern, he was in the modern, you know, time period, um, which for those listeners who may not be up on their philosophical eras, <laughs> uh, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like the modern era, I, I don't even know when it starts, but it ends recently-ish, I don't know, 70s or 80s or something like that, maybe a little bit, maybe 50s or 60s, I don't know, and it's, I guess it's categorized by, like, a, a sense that, like, we can figure things out, we just got to collect enough data and use the scientific method and anything can be solved, you know, we're going to space, you know, we're creating vaccines, and all these things are great, obviously, we love all of these things, you know, modern medicine, all these things, Great things have come out of the modern framework. Um, but yeah. And then postmodernism is basically challenging that we can know anything. <laughs> but we're not talking about that. Um, but yeah, I would say modernization was kind of kicked off by the Industrial Revolution, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it really changed the... the um, I guess the land, I mean, literally the landscape of the <laughs> yeah, countries. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, and you see that in his writing. Um, and I was just looking it up, actually. I thought that he was born, like, in that weird transition phase from more, you know, pastoral, um, yeah. like, uh, landscapes to, like, an industrialized kind of thing. But yeah. uh, the Industrial Revolution, I think, looks like it started around... Yeah, I think it's before him, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he came like I guess in the slightly in the middle um, okay. of. Uh, I mean, it it had already had its like all its effects, and so sure, sure. Um, but I think a part of it for him was the move because he was originally born he was born in South Africa, and sure. then moved to to um, to England. Yeah. So, um, so I wonder if that was that also played into. Yeah, just like his thoughts on changing scenery right right yeah um but he did have pretty clear you know opinions on right just the industrialization right um and it, it, it he wasn't alone in that right so it's like you that's why we have the regulations that we we do today in terms of sure you know regulations on factories but also on labor as well like sure it's hard to imagine like a like an eight-year-old going into work. And, That's honestly insane. 
and their job was to pour like oil on the gears to make sure that they kept running. Sure. And, the, and I was like, what? It's just so mind-boggling. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there was a lot of change. I mean, this is a little bit speculative, but I feel like back in the day, like everyone in the family just kind of like did work to help the family, you know, even when they were, when we were farming and doing all that stuff. So I feel like when factories started popping up, it was like, yeah, I guess we'll all go in and we'll all work. <laughs> and it's like, right. oh man. I mean, I don't know how prevalent like school systems were until, mm-hmm. you know, the last century or so maybe a little bit more than the last century, but yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, if we're talking about Tolkien, I mean, a big, I don't know, I guess there's like a lot of his antagonists, like Saruman, the white, who's mm. a wizard gone bad, has a mind of metal and wheels. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's like, I mean, you even watch the movies and it's like, hey, look, the Industrial Revolution's happening in Isengard. <laughs> you know what I right, mean? It's right. like yeah. steam engines or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one thing, just to put a, point out a difference between the films and the books, I think that's one thing that the films missed. Sure. Was, you know, in the books, sorry, spoiler alerts, but, you <laughs> yeah. know, these bit have been, been out, out for, for seventy um, years. Yeah, so Saruman and Grima Wormtongue actually invade the Shire, and yes. the hobbits have to essentially defend their homeland. Yes. And I feel like the the films really miss an opportunity to convey that idea that Tolkien had is totally. that you know Saruman was you know you know dispelled from Isengard, but then he invades the piece of home that these hobbits are actually went out to protect and it's that last remnant of good country that's you know that has not been touched by you know industrialization and then saruman and grima are in the middle of that right so i think they they really miss that and that's one of the key moments in the book and i love the way that you know that that's at the tail end of of things totally no for sure I mean, the tough thing about a movie is people already criticize Lord of the Rings because it has, like, 20 endings. (laughs) And so it's like, yeah, I get why it was cut, but it's also... Well, I remember that was like... I guess I just didn't know that that happened when I first read the books. So when I was reading, I was like, this is great. And then I turned the page to the chapter, and it's like the scoring of the Shire. (laughs) And I was like, what? What's happening at the end of this book? But yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, you could just see with him, obviously, and even just like, I don't know, just like the good guys in general, like elves and such. Like there, there's like a care for natural things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, like the, like the elves' kingdoms are almost like, like ingrained in nature. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're like trees, and yeah. you know, they're almost yeah. like a part of it. Right. Um, yeah, and there's something to be said. I mean, just like what you were saying, there, there, those races of creatures are so tied to certain elements. You know, elves to trees in the woods, the dwarves to their mountains and stones, yes. and even in terms of the things that those races, those creatures produce, they're still tied very much to, um, to those natural elements. Sure. Whereas if you compare it to, to Saruman, right? It's like the, the mind of metal and wheels sort of mm-hmm. thing, and it produces this grotesque sort of creation. Sure. Um, and even, like, his creation of, you know, the orcs and the urukai, it's like a a uh, a twisting, a... Uh, yeah. It's like a demented form of creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, it's not tied to, right. I guess, natural things. I don't yes. know. Yeah, well, it's like rather than living within like kind of the flow of nature or like the flow of, yeah, like the natural order, it's like we're going to exert our power over it. You know, Like when he obviously digs into Fanghorn to power his furnaces and that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, which I mean, I mean, I guess I, I mean, we see that in our world all the time. Um, well, yeah. I mean, this might be like, I mean, it just popped in my head right now, but like an interesting connection, but like James Cone and his definition of whiteness of like, uh, which we're not going to get into it, but basically it's like, you know, I guess like uh, squeezing the land for all the resources that it possibly has. You know what I mean? Like, like a towel. It's like, you know, when you wring out a towel, it's like. Like, that's what a lot of times modern society, it's like, how can we maximize efficiency, maximize right. profits out of, like, the, right. you know, the, this, whatever resource it is, right. versus, like, you know, how do we get what we need and produce, like, beautiful things, but we don't need to right. wring every last mm-hmm. drop out of the land, you know what I mean? Yeah. Modernization, in a lot of ways, it's it's a it's a movement in which we're inventing new ways of killing ourselves. Um, <laughs> yeah. Essentially, <laughs> you know, like please expound he, to- on that. That's a <laughs> well, Tolkien experienced it, right? Oh, so, sure, in World sure. War One, the yeah, yeah. the war to end all wars, supposedly, like you saw all these advances advances in technology and science, sure, but it was used to kill other human beings. Like the flamethrower, for example. Like he he survived the Battle of the Somme, which a lot of people think it was because he, there were dead bodies piled up on, like in these muddy waters. Um, people oh, think that that's marshes. where he got, yeah, the idea oh, or the images of the dead marshes. Yeah. I um, mean, it's harking back to that, which is, I mean, it, it wouldn't be far-fetched, right? right? Because that was his whole thing, it's like, modernization is leading yeah. to the the dying of of mankind Absolutely, and he lived yeah. through that and so yeah. it, it, i don't think it's a i think it's very much still a commentary and obviously we didn't learn <laughs> from the war to supposedly supposedly end all wars because yeah. we've had wars. Know, not even a generation <laughs> and a half later <laughs> another world war happened right right well that's yeah in world war one too it was like i mean when are there really rules in war? But like they were doing like chemical warfare and like right. all the, all of these things, because there was. I mean, not that there was any guardrails in any other war, but you know what I mean. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's horrific. And World War One especially was horrific. Yeah, I mean that's and then obviously World War Two comes around and then we find a way to kill millions of people in one bomb, at a mm-hmm. time, and it's like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I I guess that's the thing is. Which, yeah, I don't know if, uh, 
I don't know if the if the moral is, you know, technology equals bad. Mostly because, like, you know, there's this, like, I mean, Gondor is like a, you know, they've built, I guess they're yeah. built into a mountain, but it's like, you know, there's stone and we're, we're making things happen, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And there's progress, much more than, like, the Shire, where it's like, you know, very much ecological life, <laughs> you know what I mean? Living mm-hmm. on the farm. Uh, which is great. So I don't know if it's like technology is bad as the, is like the, uh, what he's saying, but it's like, you know, I, I guess it's just technology it was... in human corrupt human beings hands turns it. I mean, yeah. this is what it turns into. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, it comes at a cost is I think what, what his point is. And sure. Very often the cost is a human one. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, probably one of the things that Lord of the Rings can still comment on in our modern sure. age. Sure. Um, progress comes at a cost and often at a, at a human cost. Yes. Because like Tolkien, as as opinionated as he was in terms of the loss of the countryside and his wanting to preserve that kind of uh, rural side of England, sure. he also drove a, a car. Right. You right. Know? So he certainly wasn't against you know right. every form of modernization, but... In terms of the cost that it exacts, right? I think that was the point for him. Well, that's where it's like the distinction between like using a tool versus like the outcome of the industrial machine. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's like a difference between driving a car and like you know. I mean, there's there's definitely a connection. They're both technological advancements, but yeah, I think I think he's critiquing like the industrial machines, like. Mm-hmm. And and it's like a philosophy of how we view the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, oh, look at this land. I'm. We should dig it out to see if right. there's good stuff underneath there. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. well, I mean, we don't have to do that. <laughs> we could do mm-hmm. that, but yeah. yeah. And there's something to be said as well. I think about him commenting or the narrative commenting on how those kinds of things tend to dehumanize, mm. like humans, or make the user of you know these industrial mechanizations view other humans as less than mm, human. sure um and that's what i think that i think that's partly as well why you get these ideas of corruption tied to those kinds of things in the narrative sure um right the the fact that they like you see a slow degradation of Frodo and who he is um, and that's not even that's not even him willfully you know giving into those kinds of things it sure. was a, a, a second hand thing yeah. yeah he was a in he was a he was experiencing the consequences of that kind of reality right almost, you know what I mean and sure I think that's also something <laughs> that he was probably concerned with yeah well, and, like, Mordor is kind of, like, a vision if we utterly abandon natural things. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, nothing grows, right. and it's, like, a land of ash and shadow. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, I mean, so that's that's one big thing. I mean, I think that's the kind of the, one of the main things we wanted to talk about. Yeah, I, get, I mean, we the, – the one other thing I had was just the – and it comments on the fact that we that there is poor stewardship of natural resources, and sure. we kind of touched on it with, sure. you know, the different creatures being tied to natural elements. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's a realization that 
there you know we need these natural resources to live and sure you know we use them to produce things um but i think what really comes across especially in the films is the the fact that we're stewards of sure. these kinds of things well it's like are we just using like are we stripping the land for our own like power you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. that's right. i mean i think that's what's wrong is obviously you know the earth was given to us i mean if we're you know going to be biblical about it to like you know rule over and like you said steward and so yeah of course like let's live off of the land i mean there's nothing else that we can do <laughs> you know mm-hmm. that's what we have to do um but at the same time it's like let's not take it i guess let's not take it too far where now it's just like the land is only there to make me more powerful which that's what i would say is like saruman and sauron to a certain extent's like view you know what i'm saying it's like yeah the only reason this is here is so that i can like become more powerful from it you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying yeah yeah Yeah, i mean that's i mean that's largely what wars are fought over right it's land not only you know obviously the human resources of of the people inhabiting those lands, but just the natural resources um, as well. Sure. You don't see people invading deserts. Yeah, yeah nothing there. <laughs> Unless there's oil or something or right, right. some kind of resource. But there you yeah. go. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it makes me think. Hopefully it makes everyone think. <laughs> Hopefully Jeff Bezos listening to this. <laughs> Jeff, yeah. this one's for you. This, this one goes out to you, man. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah, that's all. Those are the thoughts that I had on that first question. I don't yeah. know if you had anything else. No, that's perfect. Let's move on. A question from the pew. Great, yeah. So next question, going from kind of the specific to the general, but how does narrative act as both a mirror and a lens? Yeah, so, I mean, we keep just saying good question. (laughs) What else are we supposed to say? Yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. For a bad question. (laughs) Yeah. Who put that in there? (laughs) I can take a stab at this first, I guess. Yeah, go for it, yeah. Um, I mean, I have two things, but maybe we can go back and forth. But the first yeah. thing that I have is that it's a mirror, right? I mean, we talked about it, but uh, it's in the question. But it invites <laughs> us to take a, a look at ourselves. Yeah. Because the the beauty about like an author or you know a filmmaker or whatever or kind of producer of these kinds of narratives, it's um, I mean they're not neutral forms of communication. They are embedded with ideas and opinions. Um, as well so um it's the yeah it's it's an invitation to take a look at ourselves and not just to observe things about ourselves but to i think look at ourselves critically Mm -hmm. and by critically i mean like kind of like the way we use it when we talked about the bible not in terms of looking at the negative side of things but why do we act this way why do we think this way why do we you know, produce these things, those kinds of questions. Yes. Yeah, totally. I think narrative can really do that because it takes you, it's not pointing the finger directly at you, mm. right? You, yeah. You're being embedded in a story and you are faced with 
having opinion and you're drawn to opinions on um, on characters based on the things that they do and suddenly you're thinking oh wait yes. that's exactly what I do yeah, yeah that's a connecting point I'm like this character I'm sure. like this race of creature yeah well yeah I feel like narrative has a way of like getting around walls and barriers because like you said it's not this isn't a direct attack you know what I mean it's a yeah it's a story uh, yeah I mean I mean, like, if we're going to say that it's a mirror, I mean, I think one way that it's a mirror is, like, humans only ever, like, iterate on what they've been given. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing mm. there's nothing truly, like, new. Mostly because something truly new, it wouldn't make sense. Like, it would just be nonsense. You know what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> like, yeah. you, ha- you have to have some kind of, like, uh, context. Starting point. Or, yeah, starting point for, like, you know, what even is this thing? You know what I mean? Like right. Star Wars is building off of, you know, sci-fi before that, which, or even Lord of the Rings is building off of, you know, uh, English, you know, folklore and Beowulf yeah. and all these things. Yeah. So it's like, it's not like these things were just, just popped up out of nowhere. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. iterate and like, and it's like, oh, this is kind of like that, but it's different. So, I mean, in, in that sense, yeah, like you were saying it, I mean, because it doesn't just come out of nowhere, it's a, you know, it's a reflection of who we are and our background and our influences and our experiences, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's just like the nature of it. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, I think it, it can sometimes better than like, you know, an argument or like a, uh, a direct, uh, like, you know, like just like a logically constructed argument. Like, right. that's right. like one here's way. my thesis on yes. why the world is this way. And and these, these are the are reasons. Yeah, literally. So, I mean, that's one way to try to change someone's mind or, or like shape someone's what they mm-hmm. think. But I think it's been proven scientifically that that's not as yeah. like, uh, it's just not always as uh, effective as like other right. methods like story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've talked about it before, right? Like we are not primarily thinking beings, but we are very much feeling beings and yeah, sure. the narratives get to you know that yeah. feeling aspect. they shape our desires yeah well i mean yeah and i guess maybe this transitions away from mirror to lens a little bit but i, I mean that's i mean that's like the nature of it is it shapes when we hear a story like it'll shape what we want in the world, you know what I'm saying? Or it paints a picture of the good life or a threat to the good life, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, it just, it takes you and puts you in a, a different vision of what creation is or a different vision of, you know, the human mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if it resonates with us, then it, it changes from a mirror to like a way that we see the world, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is like yeah. a lens. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's, I mean, the... For me, at least, it's not, like, very distinct. Okay, this side is a mirror, and then this side of the narrative is sure. It's like it, they're all intertwined. It's yeah, like two yeah. sides of the same coin, um, which, actually, I guess that metaphor now fails because I said it's not like this side. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's more nebulous for me than, sure. than that yeah. distinct, Agreed. you know, dichotomy of those parts. But... They kind of move in and out of those kinds of, you know, functions in terms of mirror and lens. For sure. Um, and I think, like, I think individuals can reject stories. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. there's definitely, 
Well, I mean, we've talked about like you know bad art on the on here before of like I think I mean just recently we talked about like the Christian you know the kind of Christian movies that have been coming out where it's like it just doesn't resonate, mm-hmm. and so it's like oh that the world that you're creating doesn't like to me there's not enough overlap with the or it doesn't like connect to the real world you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. I don't think it's a good mirror for what the world is really like therefore I'm not going to use it as a lens to you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you can reject it, although I think like if you just sit underneath, even if you are rejecting, but if you sit underneath the same story for long enough, I think like it's going to get in eventually. That's like the yeah. thing about it, is that yeah. in one sense you can, especially if you just see like a one-off thing, like you can be like, no, that's I don't want that. But like if you sit underneath something, I mean, that's why liturgy shape people, like eventually it gets in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it gets through your logical or or like thinking defense So I think so, because again, you talked about how it like, we can use the narrative sure. to as a way to view the world, but I think as well, it's an invitation for the reader or the viewer of the narrative, whether by film or by by you know actual written word, to put on the lens of the particular author or particular oh, creator. Sure. Right, so see it's where like, they're coming from. Yeah, I remember as a kid, like my dad, you know, wore glasses, and I'd put them on. Yes. And for him, the world was very clear when he used those glasses. But sure. for me, whose eyes weren't the same as his, it actually created more of a fog than yes. it helped me see uh, clearly. And sure. I think um, narratives, you know, authors are inviting us and creators are inviting us to put on their lenses and see the world through their eyes and i think a difficulty with narratives and i think that's why this is why a lot of people don't get lord of the rings sure um or even like classic narratives but again we're talking about lord of the rings specifically with the series yeah like they don't they don't get it but i think it's because they're not attuned they're not accustomed to viewing the the world in this particular mm. way. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And that's what narratives do. It's an invitation for us to join them in in looking at the world uh, this way. And it doesn't always happen immediately that we see the, the things that the author does. Absolutely. It a lot of times takes a lot of rereading, a lot yes. of reviewing a film or, yes. or, or those kinds of things. Getting steeped in it. Well, I mean, that's not to bring this back to the Bible, but I mean, that's like what the Bible is doing and what it's there for. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we go to it as tell me what to do Bible. And it's saying, no, I'm going to tell you a story. And then hopefully right. you'll see the world in this lens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's why you get those repeating themes. It's like, this is, right. this is a constant in yes. human existence. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the funny thing is I, <laughs> I joke that I don't like real people. Real people movies are real people shows. <laughs> and by like, that I... Like based on true story? like No, no, shows? just like... I guess I call them real people because it's just like, you know, it just could happen in the world. So I'm, I'm uh-huh. trying to think okay. of like, a, have you seen the marriage, like a marriage story or whatever? I think it's on Netflix. No. It's with uh, Kylo Ren, whatever that guy's name. Oh, Adam Driver and Scarlett yeah. Johansson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Netflix? Kylo Ren and Black Widow. Send us some money. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. I, I thought it was a good movie or whatever. Um, but I guess... So I'm I'm not I think there are tons of good movies with like realistic settings you know or and by realistic I just mean our world you know what I'm saying we're not mm-hmm. going to space we're not going to a fantasy world you know whatever um, and I think the reason I prefer like fantastical media like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Marvel or really anything that just takes me to a different place you know what I mean is like I think that it's less direct in its messaging. Because, mm. like, so the marriage story or whatever, like, well, I think it was a good movie. And I think it was a, a faithful representation of, like, you know, they get married and then they, spoiler alert, I guess, it's been out for a few. But, you know, they go through a divorce and it's, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just tough. And then but there's kind of, like, a, you know, melancholic ending or whatever. Um, and I was, like, this. I think that it rang true to the human experience probably of a lot of people who've been through that kind of thing and whatever. I don't know, but it also, ah, I don't know what exactly it is about it. I haven't thought it all the way through. But there's something like universally applicable about situations that I'll never find myself in. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. It's like, oh, I'll never, you know, the, the direct situation, like I'll never... You know, I'm not going to ever be a Jedi doing <laughs> whatever. But then, like, I don't know. To me, it lets people map on their experience, like, more readily. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's an easier lens for me. And I'm sure that's not for a lot of people. And there are plenty of, quote, unquote, real people movies that I like. Um, mm-hmm. You know. And I'm not talking about, like, Inception like or whatever. Of the Rings. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> messed up sorry (laughs) anyway i just thought it was like interesting like the things Mm. that i find most gripping are and like to me the stories that they tell aren't any less poignant and don't have they have just as many themes and things to say about the world maybe it's that like real people movies quote unquote are like uh they just are very specific in what they're trying to say. Like, you know, a marriage mm-hmm. story is it's specifically yeah. trying to talk about, you know, the yeah. struggles of, you know, marriage and divorce and all right. that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, that's, that's fair. I think I think you bring up a good point. I feel like, I mean, so would you say that real stories, you know, if we're going to use that phrase, which yeah. I think is it's a good one, uh, <laughs> real stories maybe hit too close to home to, like, human existence? Sure, maybe. Well, I'm not even... Like for it to be... Yeah. I don't think it's bad in... I don't even think it hits too close. I think, yeah, I think it's just more specific. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like the the application of the story 
is more, you know, you're not watching a marriage story and thinking about the, you know, the consequences of the industrial revolution and modernization on the world. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's just yeah. not. And like also in Lord of the Rings, there's tons of other like things going on that you could map onto different parts of your life and that mm -hmm. different people could map onto different things. Whereas when you watch a marriage story, it's like, this is about <laughs> marriage mm -hmm. and divorce and the struggle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of that. Yeah. Which I think is great, and I'm glad that it exists, and I'm sure it like has helped people think about things in a different way. You know what I mean? But I think I the think things required... I gravitate towards are more like widely applicable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or yeah. or like grand in scale. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. No, I understand. I think those kinds of real stories are. Um, I think it requires the viewers or the readers to be prepared for what the narrative is communicating right at the beginning. Sure. Right? Because it jumps in, it fully sure. puts you in. Whereas with, um, with, you know, fantasy works or sci-fi, those sure. kinds of narratives that, like what you said, take you away from your your actual, you know, reality. Sure. Um, they kind of ease you in. It's, it's like wading into the shallow end of the pool sure. and then getting deeper instead of yeah, yeah, yeah. jumping straight into the, the deep yeah. end. And the depth, yeah. The depth is almost more like abstract, you know what I mean? Or it's mm -hmm. not as like direct, you know what I'm saying? Because you're not, yeah. I don't know. Well, that's where like sometimes it's hard to describe like the, the moral or the, the message of some of these. I mean, I think all like, good media is like that. But... I don't know. You know, like trying to boil down everything that's going on, like in the Lord of the Rings or like everything that's going on with Anakin in Star Wars. It's like, I don't know. Like when you start to put it into words, it's like this does not feel right. You know what I mean? It's like mm. this is a little bit too. Like this isn't all that it means. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Anyway, and, and and I'm sure anybody who has been married and divorced and stuff will tell you that trying to describe that putting it into words it cheapens it you know what i'm saying so i'm not mm -hmm. saying that those other ones can't anyway it's just a thing i don't yeah, yeah. i don't i don't know what to make no, of it that, but... you, i think you bring up a good point i don't yeah. i'm not even i don't know maybe you are but i don't view them as you know good or bad or better yeah. or worse than the other but it's like different ways yes. to approach communication of ideas yeah truly well, I mean, if we are, uh, I don't know, are we bringing this to a close? I feel like we are. I think it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we are. Um, art or narrative is just a product of culture. And what culture does is you shape it, but it also shapes you, which is mm -hmm. kind of what we're saying with the mirror and the lens thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you shape it, and it's a mirror of your experience and your background and all that. Um, but then also... Or even if somebody else makes it, you could still use it as a, you know, as a mirror for your own stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but then also that now that that piece of culture, that narrative is out there, now it becomes like a lens that people can use to view the world uh, right. and like shape their decisions, which will shape mm -hmm. more culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of a vicious, a vicious cycle. Um, that that is just what culture is you know, in general. And then narrative is a subset of that. 
Yeah, I agree. Great. Yeah, I guess we can we can end it there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening and joining in on the conversation with us. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Patreon. It's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew. And if you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and that helps others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. You can do that by following and messaging us on Facebook or Instagram. You can also leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. If you do leave a voicemail, please keep it under 30 seconds or so and tell us your name and where you're from. We'd like to include your voicemail in our Q&R episodes, but if you prefer for us not to, just let us know and we'll include your question in another way uh, and without giving away your information. Same goes for any messages you send us on social media or through text. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For Questions from the Pew, I'm Reichard Zalameda. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. Bye.